0: Welcome to the podcast. It is so great to see you, to catch up with you. It's been years since we're last, well, we're in touch on social media, but it's been years <laughs> since we had a conversation about talent. So I'm really excited to 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 have you with me today.
1: Oh, it's great to be here and um, yeah, you know, good to connect with you again. It's been, I don't even want to think about how many years it's been, but uh, it's good to see you again and looking forward to the conversation and thank you for having me on. I really, uh, I really appreciate it
0: no absolutely so listen tell our audience a little bit more about kind of your career story who you are you know what you're doing today and just to set us the scene for the discussion today
1: uh okay well i guess probably like many people in the industry i fell into recruitment by mistake (laughs) Um, found a real love for it though and and spent the last 25 years or so in corporate hr and talent working around that space, touch wood all around the world with some great organizations. Um, And then uh, eventually decided, when was it? It was about uh, three years ago, four years ago. uh, Was it three years ago? Yeah, it was about three, four years ago. I decided uh, I needed to just take a little bit of time out and figure out what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to stay within corporate life or, or do something differently. Uh, and out of that journey came uh, came Melius Consulting. Melius Consulting was born. So it's now um, two years coming up to two years old. Uh, it's an H, it's a it's a hiring advisory business. Um, so we're in the business of helping organizations and individuals achieve improved hiring outcomes. Um, that's a nice way of basically saying that I spent a long time looking and thinking about how hiring was less than perfect let's say uh and coming up with ideas constantly about how it, how it could be fixed how it could be improved to serve both employers and candidates um and Melius consulting is the vehicle for me to uh, for me to do that i guess
0: mm. And I want to get more into that. But before we go into the, the big topic of talent and recruitment, I'm curious, was there anything in particular, you know, you've spent, you, you work quite for quite big companies in, in your career. And was there any particular moment or an occasion or something that has happened or, or you know, a, a feeling, whatever it may be, that kind of, made you pause and say is this what I want to continue or well, let me kind of rethink of what I actually want to do maybe do my own thing was there anything in particular that occurred I'm always curious to know
1: yeah look I mean I I guess sort of I, I would start off by saying you know that the corporate journey was was fantastic you know I I worked with some incredible people some incredible companies uh, I worked all around the world and had the opportunity to be exposed to different cultures, to learn from from people all around the world, worked with some brilliant leaders, some brilliant people in HR. Um, but I guess after after a long time, it, it came to the point where I started to feel like my role within that structure was a little bit limited and that my ideas were... Uh, <laughs> um, perhaps sort of evolving a little bit faster or or growing a little bit faster than the roles were allowing me to grow. Um, and I came to a point, you know, I was 40 something years old and I came to a point that sort of inflection point where you think either I can stay in this particular world and that's how I'll probably see the rest of my career, or do I want to try something different? Do I want to be brave? Do I want to take a risk? And, um, you know, the entrepreneur thing, the setting up my own business had always been in the background for many, many years, and I'd never done it, right? So I became an entrepreneur at the age of 48 or something like that. Um I'd never done it. I had no experience in doing it. Um, But I thought, now or never, you know, midlife crisis, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, but I thought, you know, either either I do it now or I commit to, you know, finishing my career in, in corporate life. And I, I just thought, well, look, I've got all of these ideas, you know, Menace Consulting in my mind was, was I guess, started to form uh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, but sort of gradually reached a point where I thought, okay, now now's the time and yeah. Maybe a perfect storm which came together, we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I remember you told me a while about some means something. A refreshment, what was it? It means something. It means
1: uh, improvement in Latin.
0: That's right. Because we were, talk- we were talking about besser. And I was like, besser means to improve. And then I remember, besser, yeah, yeah, in German. Cool. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I remember some, something along. That's cool. Um, so, uh, So tell me a little bit more about, I guess, I mean, this is a huge topic, the world of just recruitment and hiring, but let's just start off with the fact that you travel all over the world, all right? You interact with different individuals. You're, of course, primarily, you kind of do work around Middle East and Europe, but have you seen, you know, is this challenge of talent, is it a global problem? Is it a, a regional problem? Is it an industry problem, like how, from your experience?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, you know, there are nuances everywhere, of course, Um I think there are very unique problems in different markets. So, if you look at certain markets, you know there are many more jobs than there are applicants. If you look in other markets, you will find jobs, but you'll find an abundance of applicants. But you'll still find employers talking about the inability to find talent. Um, there are different levers around the world, you know, which which encourage or discourage people to move and switch jobs there are economic considerations socio political considerations you know so is there is there one, one uh, problem around the world at the moment that's consistent i don't think so except i would say that consistent around the world is the the fact that hiring can be improved recruitment can be improved there are opportunities to make to serve both candidates and employers in a, in an improved manner around the world. I'd say that that is consistent.
0: Mm. And um, I, I don't know how it is in kind of the the areas that you work in, but in the U.S. there's I was reading some report about it and I don't remember statistics, but there's a, almost like a new pandemic around, um, not pandemic, like an epidemic of people who are of working age but simply are not working because it's more beneficial to collect the unemployment benefits or they're living off of maybe some gig uh, jobs or maybe um something part time or something you know some just kind of like you know making enough but not actually going into career roles and have you seen that shift in other parts of the world uh, as well
1: absolutely all over the world you know i think covid was the big shift in thinking wasn't it it uh it may have been bubbling under the surface but certainly when when you know we went through 2019 2021 i think most people reevaluated their position when it came to work and and reevaluated it on the basis of i think a more holistic approach you know how does it affect my family life how does it affect my mental well-being how does it affect my quality of life how much time do i spend with kids do i want to do this commute every day weighing that up with the, you know, the the compensation benefit of working, the the purpose of working has become much more important. I think also the next generation of workers are requiring more from their employers rather than perhaps our parents, or probably my parents, probably not your parents, much younger than mine, but uh, our parents, you know, it was about having a job, you know, it was about Having an income, it was about acquiring a home, a car, you know, an education for your children, perhaps, or healthcare. Um, those factors have changed now, you know, and and um, I think people are now looking for more purpose in their work, having more impact. That's something I hear often. You know, I want to make mm. an impact, I want to make a difference. So yeah, I think the whole notion of why we go to work and what we what we want from work has completely changed, and I think I think the pandemic was a, a key trigger point for mm. that for the change. It's certainly forcing at least the. Um, the employers that are recognizing this as a necessity and an opportunity, it's forcing them to rethink, you know, the obvious thing is remote working, right? We still have, I think it's something like 14% of global employers offer remote working as a, as a real option. Um, And yet it's, you know, north of 50% of of employees want that as an option. So change as always takes a little bit of time, Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, You know, will the world of work ever be the same? Will it ever return to the way we were used to it the nine to five, the five days a week, the office based? I don't know. I think the shift, I think the shift because of the pandemic was was seismic. And I, I don't think we're going to go back to the traditional models of work after that.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and with the new generations coming in they just they're driving the the that kind of narrative you know they're because i mean they're they're the future talent so we have to almost cater to what is it that they want if us as companies want to have any chance of having you know good talent we have to you know and that's a challenge that's always been good talent has always been a challenge great talent is has always (laughs) been a challenge to maintain that talent is going to have to reinvent the way that we work the way we approach uh, the 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 office space, if it's virtual or or hybrid, yeah. et cetera. Um, so yeah, um, I'm curious also, you know, when it comes to hiring, right, considering all these changes, um, what do you think is like, let's say, I'm sure there's many, but what are the two biggest gaps between candidates and companies and that bridge like how we hire? What are the gaps that we can fill, I guess, or aim to try to fill?
1: You know, I I, th- I think I'm going to do this on the fly, right? So we haven't prepared any of these questions. So I'm going to do this on the fly. Listen, or, challenges, or challenges,
0: challenges, yeah. you,
1: you know. Yeah. So I think the first point I would make applies to both employers and candidates, and that is the importance of authenticity and standing out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for employers they've got to present something that is appealing to the next generation of talent, the talent in the market, whatever, whatever the workforce they're going after, they've got to be able to present something that is attractive, appealing, enticing, and then follow through on that to deliver that. Right. Mm -hmm. And they've got to do that in, in, in manners, which, uh, through which we consume information and media, your traditional, Job descriptions, I mean, have they ever worked? That's a different question, but you still see so many companies using job descriptions to advertise opportunities, you know, and candidates say time and time again, they're boring, they're dull, you know, don't use them. Um, and yet, you know, that, that change is taking a long time. And, and companies have a real opportunity to differentiate. Even if we just look at a an angle as simple as job descriptions, they have a real opportunity to differentiate, but that change is taking a long time. But I think organisations which stand out, are different, do things differently, are authentic, present something that is attractive, you know, stand out from the crowd, you know, are mm. a splash of colour in the grey, I think they will have greater success in attracting talent. And I think equally that applies to candidates. You know, there mm-hmm. are in certain markets, there is, there are so many candidates looking for opportunities. Um, and yet the approaches that candidate use to apply for jobs, you know, applying for job uh, through, through portals, through platforms, using a resume, using a cover letter, using language, which is so standardized now, you know, it's and people will say it's 80. It's there to beat the ATS. It's, you know, it these are the these are the keywords people search for what it does when everybody is using the same language, it just blends everybody into the same, right. Mm. And as a as a recruiter, as a hiring manager, when you're looking for talent, and everybody looks and sounds the same on paper, how do you differentiate? Mm. So I think I think that authenticity argument applies for both employers and, and candidates and that's really important. Mm. I think the other gap and and Ellen I've, I've thought this for a long long time and I, I find it fascinating that this isn't there, there isn't more being done to tackle this. I think the other gap is the ability to assess. Oh yeah. <laughs> really assess, right mm-hmm. and um, if you think about the entire hiring cycle the one key the one key activity in that entire hiring cycle is the hiring manager's interview with the candidate right that's the that's the decision point right most of the decision making is done at that point Mm. and yet i think the last statistic i read about this it was north of 70 percent of hiring managers have never had any interview training They have no idea, they've never been trained on how to assess candidates, and yet they are making the most critical decision. And if you think about this, just take a moment to stop and think about this, right? It's so crazy that more isn't being done to ensure that those involved in hiring and assessing have the capability to do so. Mm. So, off the top of my head, those two things stand out as, as two mm-hmm. huge challenges which, which need to be addressed, need to be tackled.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on. And I love it on the first point that you kind of broke it down to the organization and individual because I always feel like the narrative right now in the media and, and and kind of in all the content out there is like, well, the organizations need to do better, the organizations and all that. But it's like, no, it's also the individual responsibility to 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 position themselves in a specific way. And all I see often is just this side, this, this organization. It's like all the blame on the company, which is why I love your content on LinkedIn that you post because you give a lot of tips to actually candidates as like, hey, this is how you actually do it. You know, this is a better way to do things. So I love, I've been loving your content and on LinkedIn on this topic. And, um, and then on the second point, absolutely, a lot of, not just the hiring managers, but even recruiters, um, and depending on the size of the company and how many, how many resumes and CVs they screen, how many candidates, what tools they use. So a lot of them are overworked. A lot of them are, and we're human beings, you know, and, on, and I'm all up for like AI and like using tools and tech to screen but I also feel like we miss out on so much, and I don't. I'm frankly, speaking, I don't have a solution. It's difficult when you screen masses of CVs. I think it's easier in smaller size companies, where you mm. can actually have that time on one to one. You know, um, but and this is this is. I mean, I battle with this is like okay, like how do you, um, you know, how do you companies like the big organizations? They get like thousands of CVs. Like, how do you actually? You know what I mean? But then, you know, now I'm just going down the rabbit hole, but then you go to the point where, (laughs) you know, like going back to the individual, right? So how do you stand out from those thousands of CVs and how do you help the hiring manager find you? So it's almost like, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult question, you know, like how do you, how do you make it effective when you are screening all these people, even if you are using tools, you know? So I, I, I ponder this all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, and, uh, thank you for the comments on the linkedin content it's uh it's it's topics i want to cover more with the content coming up you know and, and it's really really there are there are practices on both sides you know a lot of people sort of contact me and say oh you know recruiters are terrible they never answer me when i when i apply for jobs and i have recruiters and hiring managers saying oh candidates are terrible they you know they don't stand out they don't make any effort they it's a fascinating situation we're in and it's the first time in my career that I'm seeing the, the the sort of paradox argument at exactly the same time. Companies are saying there's no talent out there and mm-hmm. thousands <laughs> of people in the job market are saying, I can't get hired. No matter what I do, nobody replies to me. How are these two things coexisting at the same time? And And the only answer that I can come up with is the process of hiring must be completely broken Mm. because for these two things to coexist it's the connection between the two that's not working right um and like you say it's a rabbit hole you know because which part of that connection do you then start to focus on and work on and i think If I was running a uh, hiring team in any size organization right now, I would take a very, very good look at what is having the greatest impact to my hiring capability and focus on that and and Mm -hmm. fix that. That's what I would be doing
0: yeah I think I think it's it's just such a big question. and um and I think that there's really no magic formula that's gonna work for for everyone. Uh, what I found helpful is just like figure out what you know, asking ourselves, like me in, in like the recruitment space now, um, just like what can we be doing different? How do we, you know, how do we reach the right candidates? How do we educate? How do we, you know, spread awareness, Um, you know, how do we try to close that gap in a way that works for our company, right? Versus kind of what the big ones are doing. Do we really need to use all this new tech and tools as a small company? Not necessarily. We don't have that problem. We don't have, you know, and also depending on the talent, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to like specific tech skills, like I work with an Appian, which is a very niche software development, low code, no code application tool, you know, and it's, um. It's a very niche market, so doing a recruitment for Appian folks is going to be very different than doing recruitment for somebody who does Java, or Python, or you know, and so and so it's so there's really no 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 kind of magic formula, but it's almost like you know to your point, it's just like it exists right and how do how are we actually addressing it so maybe not all collectively but at least on company and individual level and i think that companies can do better within their own realm and 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 hopefully you know and i don't see too much change within that that's the you know kind of disappointing part is that you know it seems to be um you know not many people i think are asking this question uh except we just keep doing the same thing over and over again versus trying to actually create solutions for for this Challenge of hiring, right? Like on the company side. So, yeah,
1: you know, you know I, I, I um, used to use a, a metaphor, you know, it was like uh, the hamster in the wheel.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when things started getting crazy after the pandemic, when hiring started to pick up again, instead of taking a step off the wheel and thinking, right, you know, we're about to enter a busy period, let's do it properly, we just started to pedal faster. Well, we stayed in the wheel and pedalled faster, and that's not the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh yeah, I mean, you know, you just need to talk to a handful of people, either on the on the on the employer side or the candidate side, and they'll tell you the same story. It doesn't work. Mm, no, um, there are solutions out there. I'm a big believer in that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah
1: and they will take people to be brave and bold but if if we don't then we're still going to be having this conversation in another 20 years so
0: yeah well i think companies are just going to have to start implementing and and consulting with individuals like yourself and the the things that your company does and 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 similar ones because otherwise you just right now they can still get away with it to an extent because they can still find that talent but as generations kind of coming up especially generation alpha those that are like you know graduating high school coming up what they want is very different and they're almost not going to be going through the same process. They're probably going to, I don't know maybe they're just going to be completely in that gig economy and that you know in yeah. that individual contributor workspace that contracting space and we see this yeah. more and more and I I mean I'm excited about what the next 5 to 10 years of world of work is going to look like with universities now kind of um, becoming you know not as useful as they were right depending on the industry of course there's some you know you yeah. want a doctor to go to <laughs> to do a proper <laughs> degree and and you know NASA engineers and all that but I'm talking about yeah. the regular folks like the <laughs> yeah pilots you want them to study don't get me wrong you want that certification but i'm talking about the regular folks like you know the the people with those you know uh uh, you know marketing um in digital space and um human resources space and you know all these things like it's um that four-year degree is becoming you know, kind of more and more relevant. And even within the tech space, there's a lot more short-term certificates um, that you can do and you can do just, just fine. Cybersecurity is one of them. I mean, and people get paid very good money for that um, and, and any other tech primarily. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see. And I think that companies and corporates are not going to be the same as what they are today. They're going to look very different. I'm curious yeah. what you think about that.
1: Do you know what I find that one of the most exciting things, and 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 I I'm really interested to see how organisations are going to respond to the gig economy. I mean, it's been, it's again been a been a, a trend and a, and a topic for for a few years now. Mm. Uh, I don't know in your experience, but I haven't seen a lot of companies embracing this yet. Um, there are still, by and large, I would say traditional models of employment, full time employees you know, location based and so forth. And yet you talk to, uh, you know, upcoming talent and they tell they tell you about wanting to work in multiple organizations, project by project basis, job change regularly, not seen as, uh, not seen with the stigma that it was, you know, that there was attached to it when, when we were uh, gainfully or ungainfully employed and our <laughs> parents were. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, how does hiring deal with this you know how does Mm. hiring um cope with this change of 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 the future of work as well you know for me the importance of building talent communities is going to be more and more important uh you know again you could get into an argument of well that was always the case when i got into recruitment in the in the 90s um you know we were being taught constantly you've got to know the candidate market spend your time out there knowing candidates build you know we I don't know if we called them communities in that day, but it's the same concept today. Now we do it online. I think that's going to become more and more important, you know, and and moving people in and out. But then things like um, labor contracts are going to have to change. The rights to work in different locations are going to have to change. There's a lot of legislation and administration behind all of this, which will have to catch up. Where do you pay tax? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're working in this sort of gig economy, you know, do you have a single you know digital nomads for example working all over the world now spending mm-hmm. their money in the country how does that all work so there's a lot of work to do um, yeah. but i'm a, i'm really i'm all, I'm like you you know excited by what this is going to look like in the next 5 10 years convinced that this is a change that is taking place and is going to continue to take place if we listen to people graduating now and coming into the workforce
0: Yeah. And uh, we're just before we start recording, we're talking about Costa Rica. And I was saying how they have this digital nomad setup. And to your point, uh, Costa Rica and many other countries are now implementing this digital nomad kind of residency where if you pay taxes in the U.S., you don't have to pay taxes in Costa Rica and vice versa. And a lot of countries around the world are starting to do that. Um, And to your point, in terms of that gig economy, what I see is. Right now, companies still want that full-time employee, they want to have, you know, et cetera. And a lot, of, a lot of people want that, the benefits that are associated with it, right? But um, what is changing, and I think what's going to drive this openness to gig economy is the fact that the career cycle, the life cycle of a person in a company is shorter, so before right. it's like, well, we want them, we want them staying for five to 10 years. Now people changing jobs every one to three years, especially the right. young talent. So does it make sense to go through the full onboarding process, get them into your culture for them to just bounce in two years? So, cause that's right. what they wanted. They want to be part of the culture. Like the, the companies want people to be part of the culture, et cetera. Right. And there's fine. Of course there's numbers associated with it and there's expenses and et cetera that are associated with hiring and letting people go and all that. Um, so but maybe the contract world is going to become more and more attractive and on top of that as they struggle to find talent which they do in many cases in the world of tech they're going to have no choice and they they already this is already happening today many companies have no choice but to use contractors to fulfill certain gaps and I think that's going to grow significantly Uh, and a final point here is that as this is happening on the corporate side how is an individual going to prepare and to be This multifaceted individual that can self-manage, that can create opportunities for themselves and be one of those successful contract or gig economy people, you know what I mean? Because that full-time gig might run out in a a coming, maybe not in our lifetime, but eventually, oh, I think it will in our lifetime, honestly, but probably next 10 to 15 years, I think it's going to be more in that independent contractor, you know, what are you doing um, to, to add value from day one versus yeah. you know six to 12 months down the line as a full-time employee
1: it's fascinating and there's a lot of questions which still need to be answered but mm-hmm. i think the um there isn't an inevitability around this change
0: yeah no absolutely yeah. um and so what uh you know I, I love your content i'm curious if you can just share kind of with the audience you know where do you hang out at the most you know if somebody wants to you know, get in touch with you. They want to read some of your stuff. Uh, I know you're heavy on LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else that you hang out at?
1: No. Do you know what? <laughs> I um, I will happily admit that I uh, have been slower on the uptake of social media than most people. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a very polite way of saying it? Um, it's taken me. It's taken me time to really become comfortable with. Uh, any platform look I I don't really use Facebook personally Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not really on Instagram you know but professionally LinkedIn at the moment is my platform of choice and I think you know LinkedIn offers a great opportunity to share you know the types of things I want to talk about Um, you know what I'm doing now is is really about sort of impact and trying to help as many people as possible and LinkedIn offers that sort of platform for the world of work um, so I still want to improve what I do on LinkedIn at the moment. I do some videos and I do some posts and what have you, but I know there's LinkedIn live, which I'm exploring and I'm going to do some webinars in the coming months as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so there's more, there's more coming, uh, on that side. Um, and that's really, you know, that's really where to find me, um, and and you know, I always welcome people to engage and, and connect with me. I have absolutely no issue with connecting with people and, and having one-on-one conversations with people. So feel free to feel free to reach out if you want to chat to me.
0: Sounds good. And I'm gonna make sure to include it in the episode notes as well, all of your links. And just a final question before we wrap this up is you know, if you had to ask a question for people to ponder on as when it comes to hiring so one for the individual and one for the organization what would you what would be that question that you think would bring the most benefit to them to think about as they look for those solutions (laughs) only one (laughs) just just give me one one for each
1: i think for individuals um let's let's make it very practical so for individuals i would say this do you understand the value you offer to an employer and and can you communicate that value mm-hmm. right? um and i think a lot of people struggle with that a lot of people start talking about their features you know i've got this many years experience i work in these companies mm-hmm. i worked projects i know this technology those are features that's not value right um so do you understand truly the value that you offer an employer and can you communicate it to them can you communicate to to them in a language which makes sense to them and I think if more and more job seekers candidates are able to do that they will have greater success when it comes to hiring Mm. Uh, or finding finding a job um and to employers I would say Wow, that's a big question. That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I think I would go back to something I was saying earlier, and that is, are you focused on fixing the right problem?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, again, I see a lot of employers focused on fixing problems, which are symptoms to something that is a root cause. Ask any recruitment team, and they'll say we always get blamed for everything. You know, when when Mm -hmm. hiring goes wrong, it's always our fault. Uh, I'm not going to open that Pandora's box. Just (laughs) (laughs) that's probably a separate for the next podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But I see a lot of a lot of. HR functions and organisations focused on 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 fixing symptoms, you know, and lo and behold, six months later, a year later, the problems are there again, and the conversations are repeating. Um, I think there, I think it is time. It's long been overdue, but I think it's very, very necessary today to really hone in on the root cause of your hiring challenges. Mm -hmm. and to tackle those and to stop wasting time and money on fixing symptoms and and attaching band-aids to gashing wounds because that's not going to do it that's not going to do it and i you know i i think it's time to stop shying away from tough but valuable and honest conversation
0: Mm, absolutely i love those Brilliant. Well, Taz, thank you so much. <laughs> Enjoy being on the other side of the world. Come to this side of the world. Let's um, let let's have another podcast. Maybe we record it in person sometime.
1: That'll be wonderful, Ellen. Again, thank you for the opportunity, and I hope it was valuable for your listeners.
0: Thank you.